What is up, dick farts? It's, um, <laughs> it's Merry <laughs> Christmas! Merry Christmas! It's I Like to Movie Movie. Uh, my name is Dan Scully. My name is Garrett Smith. And may I say a Merry Bone Tomahawk to you, sir? Yes, and a Merry Bone Tomahawk <laughs> to you. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, uh, hey, welcome back. Very tired is what's going on yeah, here. Totally, so I'm feeling silly, but uh, I'm I on a bunch of cold reason. medication. It's mm-hmm. got me real silly. Uh, I'm on a lack here. of sleep. Yep, I've been up since seven. Woo. It's a good, good day. Good might, day. might hear me blow my nose a few times in this pod. It's all good. Uh, it's all good. Welcome, guys. Happy holidays from uh, I like to movie movie to you. No matter what you celebrate, we hope you have a happy one. Yes. And uh, what is really, really cool is. Uh, there is a genre that comes with the season. Hell yeah. You know, it's, I mean, I guess standardly it's the Christmas movie, but we'll yep. call it the holiday movie or even holiday family movie. movie. Sure, you know, yeah. Oh, be, family movie. True, true. This is the time of family movies. Yes. This is the time to get together and watch a movie with your family. Yep. And uh, in honor of that, we watched a movie that you shouldn't take your kids to see. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, it's going to be cool. Uh, yeah, which, uh, uh, speaking of not taking your kids to see this movie, people brought their kids to this movie. Yeah, that's an interesting choice. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're talking about uh, we're talking about Krampus. Yeah, Krampus, 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 Krampus. The uh, horror comedy Christmas movie from Michael Doherty, the yep. director and writer of uh, Trick or Treat, I which we're both big fans of. I huge, think, and and it's very thematically appropriate because what we just watched, much like Trick or Treat, was a Halloween movie more than a horror movie. Yes, this is a Christmas movie above all else, through and through, through and through. And he also is notable for I think you wrote like X Men First Class. I want to say he wrote X Two. I think. He wrote some of the Brian Singer ones. Yes, yeah, Yeah. and a a couple of the co-writers on this also wrote in the X-Men world. Oh, interesting. And also, I believe, wrote some comic books. Fascinating, yeah. That makes perfect sense. Which totally makes sense when you see this movie. It actually does. Yeah, that's interesting. It has a a, a more, well, I I was going to say more cartoony vibe than Mm. you might be expecting. Uh, but I don't want to say that because I don't want to deter people. It it, it actually is pretty successfully scary, I think. Oh, it's totally uh, scary. Uh, but it has fun with the idea that this is a Christmas scary well, it has fun story. With the idea that this is not realistic. Ra- not, oh yeah, yeah. Know, this is a fantasy yeah. world that this is taking place in in some type of way. Totally. But before we get going, yeah. Um, before we do anything, I think it's very important that uh, another thing that's happening this holiday season is we're getting a new Star Wars, and in Hell honor yeah. of that, on December 16th at Philomoka, our uh, our regular venue, we are having Movie Movie Live, the Star Wars edition. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to miss this one. It is going to be very, very cool. Um, I actually just received a picture today of Han Solo the dog yeah. in a Han Solo costume. Awesome. So if... if Anything else, you should come because that's going to be in the PowerPoint. Uh, <laughs> yes. you, you will love this. It's a beautiful picture. Oh, I can't wait for Han Solo to be in the show. Yeah, uh, yeah we're super excited. It's an all-Star Wars show, and it's two days before the premiere of Episode 7. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I think it's a great way to prepare yourself to go see the new Star Wars movie. If you're one of those people that's like, oh, my God, I got 24 hours until Star Wars. What am I going to do? Well, guess what? You only have to think about 23 of those hours because <laughs> yep. we got gotcha. you. For 60 minutes from uh, 7.30, well, about 90 minutes, there's going to be some pre-show entertainment from about 7.30 till roughly 9 o'clock. You're not going to think about the new Star Wars because you're going to be thinking about Movie Movie Live Star Wars Edition. Yes. Philomoka. Where we will hit you with trivia from all six of the Star Wars movies. That, we'll hit uh, you with hard objects. You definitely will not need to 
to know going into the seventh Star mm. Wars movie. Just uh, be ready. Yes. To have uh, some fun. Oh, it's going to be great. Uh, and we got a killer lineup for the panel, so uh, definitely get excited and come out and have fun for that. Uh, December 16th. Uh, so, I'm just going to keep doing that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then also a little bit later in the show, uh, in honor of Krampus, we're going to be talking about dysfunctional family movies. Yes. Um, rather than doing Christmas movies, horror movies, or Christmas horror movies, which would end up with us having the same list, yep. uh, we're doing dysfunctional family movies, yes. which is also kind of a Christmas thing. It turns out to a lot be a Christmas uh, thing. I uh, mean, what is more relatable than a dysfunctional family? On Christmas. Even the most functional families have a dysfunction. That's the beauty of it. I just realized, how did we not consider vacation movies in our list? I, I did, didn't even think I about that. I immediately them. cut that yeah. from my list because I figured it was too obvious. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Apparently that, not that, obvious oh, enough. Oh, you weren't there for the new vacation. Nope. That's not a movie. That is a, <laughs> that is just a big old wet fart. <laughs> it's like this year's Dumb and Dumber 2? It Honestly, it was worse. Holy shit. Because at least shit. Dumb and Dumber 2, like, at the beginning, we were trying to like yes. it. Yes. In Vacation, like, right off the bat, I was just like, oh, this is hateable. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, and, and I don't like to be Not like for that. Me. I know a lot of people worked hard on it, but hopefully they'll work hard, harder on something else because <laughs> this is some shit. Yeah. Whatever. Oh, man. Poor, poor John Francis Daly. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was his directorial debut, wasn't it? Was it? I, I don't. I know he know directed it. I don't know if it was the first thing he directed, but I believe he did direct it. Mm. Yeah, whatever. Krampus. Yep. Hey, Krampus. This it's movie was good. Adam Scott, who yep. is a tremendous actor. Oh, it fantastic. Has, uh, who else? Tony Collette. This movie? Tony Collette, who is just. Uh, she was in a movie that I saw earlier earlier this year called Miss You Already. Oh, how which was, that? was it was a total chick flicker. So yeah. I thought I loved it. Awesome. I really loved it. Yeah. and she's great in it. Um, She's a great would, actress. You would think she is a great actress. Yeah. You would think that uh, that a breast cancer drama uh-huh. would be filled with just like awfulness. Uh-huh. But as Tony Collette is slowly, slowly uh, going through chemo and and suffering, it's one of the most joyous and fun <sighs> movies. It's actually rather. It lovely. sounds great. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, it's, it's uh, of its type. But, uh, uh, we got a Dave Keckner based on, in a, here? Dra- on a radio play. Just oh, that out there. That is uh, fascinating. That's yeah. actually fascinating. Yeah. That's cool. uh, we got a David Keckner in here. David Keckner, yeah, I love David Keckner. I uh, 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 to, we're we're gonna try and keep this uh, as spoiler free as possible as yeah. we go through. But I on on the note of Keckner, there was a moment where I was like, oh no, we're gonna lose him this quickly. Yeah, yeah. I was like, we can't do that. Uh, David Keckner played my dad. <laughs> yes, it was uh, it was upsetting to watch. Well, he, you know, there was uh, th- this movie certainly takes influence from from certain other not just Christmas movies but certain other Christmas movies. One of them being, I realized that this is almost an identical setup to Christmas Vacation. Absolutely, he's it, the Randy Quaid. He's situation. the Randy Quaid character. Yeah. Uh, down to the Advent calendar that's used to show the passing of time oh, over the yeah. Christmas weekend. That's yeah. interesting. Yep. And the shitty kids. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's set the scene. So yes. what this is, is we have a one family unit. Yep. It is a young boy who I will look up his name later. He was the little boy in Jurassic, Jurassic World. World. He was the, the one redeeming facet of Jurassic uh, World. He's fantastic he's in really this good. movie. That he's a really good actor. And actually, it just clicked to me. I'm pretty sure he was the little boy in Insidious. Oh, I haven't seen which Insidious. Is, uh, which is... I like that movie a yeah. lot. Uh, as, as far as modern horror movies go. I mean, I've uh, heard that's a good James one. James Wan. Yeah. Um... It's him. He's got a sister, his dad, Adam Scott, and his mom, Tony Collette. They are kind of the audience surrogate. Sure. Because they are the family with like your standard family problems, yeah. just feeling a little distant. Mm-hmm. And their relatives are coming to visit. It is David Keckner, who is like the cartoonishly conservative, gun toting, you know, oh, is that gang violence I hear? You know, like yeah. that guy. He's a buffoon. Uh, his wife, Allison Tolman from uh. Uh, Fargo season one, lover. She's real good. And uh, their shitty trio of just shitty kids. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, they have the shit. 
shittiest kids. Oh, the shittiest kids. And uh, so, of course. And they are Tony Collette's, I believe, sister and brother in law. Yes, yeah. yes. And then Adam Scott's mom, yep. the uh, German, who mm-hmm. we assume is. Uh, she might live with them. She, I think she does live yeah. with them. She is their their grandmother who speaks in German and is just charming and loves Christmas. Yes, yes, uh, yes. She uh, she was great. She was uh, really good. and a cool character to be. You know, uh, I, I was fascinated by there being an elderly character that was sort of actually more the center of this than you would think. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. that character would be relegated to just the Krampus story. She's the, you're doomed. Yeah, exactly. Doomed. Yeah. She's that, but actually with, with uh, a little bit of life to it. You know? And she has, a, she has an arc. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, she's got a really good arc. She's got mm-hmm. a strong arc. I was, I was impressed by that. Um, and she also has a memory, like when she remembers things, it happens in weird claymation. Yeah, oh, so. I love that. I love that that was how they included it's that reference. It's a Christmas reference. movie. Yeah. What happens in every Christmas movie? We get to a sort of Rudolph-style yep. animated moment. And yep. that, I don't think that's spoilery to say no. that there is an animated segment of this movie. Of no, flashback. because it's not used uh, uh, in some yeah, sort of yeah. like surprising way. It, you mm-hmm. know, it's used to tell a little backstory. It's uh, like when uh, Kill Bill goes anime. Yes. They do a stylish thing like yep. that. But basically, they're getting together, together the for don't Christmas. Don't forget the ant. Remember? Uh, so oh, like, yes, the it, ant. It, it would appear Tony Collette and uh, what, what is the other actress's name? Uh, Allison Tolman. Allison Tolman's uh, mother uh, died uh, some years ago, it seems, mm. and uh, but her sister, her horrible, horrible sister, oh, lives yeah. on. She's uh, kind of like, a, but I, I almost love her in a way because she's that sassy drunk yes. aunt that's just like, well, my husband's dead. I've been through life and I'm over it. Yeah. So let's just fucking drink some schnapps. Yeah. You know? And that's who she is too. She drink. She's kind of a badass. Oh yeah. But this is a. They're getting together for Christmas. Yep. There's uh, tensions arising. Oh yeah. Uh, right from the Christmas. moment the movie starts. Right from the moment the movie yeah. starts. I mean, it's something that we all understand is that Christmas is a stressful time. Yes. Because some of the mentality of it has gone away from its original intentions to some degree. And so the little boy uh, has a letter that he's writing to Santa. Yep. And Ian At the encouragement of his sweet yeah. grandmother. Yes, and he yep. uh, he wants to keep up with the tradition to do this, but due to all the frustrations and a multitude of specific events we don't want to get yep. into, he tears up his, his wish list and, and, and throws, throws it out, out all hope, throws it out the window, and ends up summoning the Krampus. Yep. And that's where the that's that's a, as much plot as I want to throw. Yeah, out the yeah. Movie. Well, it, uh, I think we could give a little bit of just it is. It's essentially the story of their survival of Krampus, right? Yes. Uh, uh, over this weekend, and uh, I, I think one thing I would like to note, without getting too spoilerly, spoilery, uh, it, the one th- the the thing that I loved sort of uh, like right away was the as soon as uh, the the Krampus comes to town, let's say. Uh, we are immediately in a more fantastical world mm-hmm. than we were before. Uh, and I loved the look of it. I loved the feel of it. And I loved that immediately we knew as an audience, oh, okay, this is where we are. This yeah, is the yeah, Christmas yeah. fantasy film. You know? Oh, uh, so what? that is yeah. a weird... In, in that way, and we were talking about this uh, in the theater um, after the movie stopped. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there was... Uh, it reminded me a lot of The Mist. Yes. Because it was just suddenly the world outside is a foreign land. Yes. And we Full have of to, dangers. You know, but they're not nearly as dangerous as the people inside. Yep. And that is a, I mean, that is a, a standard thing. Totally. But uh, they bring it down to the family level. Yeah. It's scary. It's cool. <laughs> I, and uh, one of the things that surprised me and I thought was a lot of fun about it is that, uh, you know, Krampus himself, uh, one, is a great effect, a great character, really, really, uh, actually, just practical effects yeah. across the board. 
really good ones. A lot of good they costuming and makeup. A little bit, yeah. When, but I mean, it, what's cool is because it is fantastical, it it is allowed to look cartoonish. Yeah, but it's really only for certain things. Yep. There's a lot of good, a lot of costumes work. and makeup, yeah. and, and the Krampus itself is just one giant puppet. Great effect. It's awesome. Yeah, really, really cool effect. Uh, but what I was impressed by is it. Um, there's more to this than just people versus the Krampus. Mm-hmm. There, there was a lot more that they did with the idea of a fantastical Christmas demon mm-hmm. uh, that that I didn't realize going into it. I was very surprised that there was so much more, you know. And actually, a lot of those things were more entertaining, I thought, than the Krampus himself. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, this is very much in tune with, uh, if you've seen Trick or Treat, and I am going to spoil Trick or Treat a little bit. Sure. But in that movie... Anyone who falls victim to any sort of these Halloween ghoulies that happen is because they broke tradition. Yes. And it's about keeping up the tradition yep. of Halloween, or what do they call it? Uh, uh, they, oh. What's the word for, for Halloween? Uh, uh, uh. It's like, we don't know. Uh, <laughs> We're going to stop dead until we think about this. I feel like I know it. What is it? Is it Sam Hain? Or, yes. You're right? Sam, Sam, yeah, Hain? Sam Hain. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, it, you know, it's about keeping up that tradition. This is about Christmas tradition. Yes. And it's about, you know, keep keep the fire lit. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some really... Oh, I couple, love that. Yeah. There's a couple really good, uh, just a couple really good lines like that that say so much more, but it's all about tradition. Yeah. And in a movie that I guess its moral compass is based around, you know, we've kind of gotten away from the tradition. Yep. The value is there, yep. you know, and uh, we let a little bit of evil in sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, and that's I th- I thought that's actually cool. the opening the the true opening of the movie oh, yeah. was I to get oh, yeah. one of the best parts of the movie and and tells you that in a really great way show don't tell mm-hmm. like tells you exactly sort of the premise here which is just like we have lost what christmas means to us uh but done in a really stylish effective oh, yeah. funny way well it's i mean i think we can say what yep. it is it's sure, a, yes. it's a giant slow motion montage yep set to Bing Crosby, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, of people just rioting for deals at a store. Yep. And during all these fights, everyone is just standing aside taking pictures with their phone. Yep. And it says everything, but it's 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 one of those things where the, the concept itself is really funny, but to credit Doherty, the, uh, it, like, each individual thing is a miniature sketch yep. of just one thing you've seen before. It's so Do you wild. remember what Cops the store was called? each other. Um... Mucho Mart. Mucho Mart. It's so funny. <laughs> and there's cops tasing people. There's you know, they they hit on every criticism of oh, Christmas yeah. in the opening and look inwardly, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's I thought that was cool. great. That oh, was yeah. such a fantastic opening. And re- again, it just sets the scene for thematically what this movie is going for. Now, mm. what it's going for is very standard Christmas movie stuff, but that's the fucking point. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, it's a you know, we've seen a million Christmas movies where Family fights, they argue, you know, then they learn to love each other because yep. some circumstances arrive. But the circumstances in this one are evil Christmas demons. Yeah. And so that's that's infinitely more fun. Oh yeah. Than than just dislike towards one another. Uh-huh. It's beautiful. I uh man, I without I'm trying to think of how to like not spoil it and talk about this one thing that I was like so thrilled by in the movie. Mm-hmm. I was impressed with how willing they were to like just go to the places they were going with the story mm-hmm. um, uh, without spoiling anything too much. Uh, uh, we start... Uh, uh, the Things happen to the cast 
very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't expect that. And, mm-hmm. and, and that cast sort of keeps changing, like, rapidly. Uh, at that, in, in ways that I just didn't expect that. And if I you think, think there's about a lot of people that you go, oh, they wouldn't, they wouldn't mess with that person. Yes. Like, at any point, I feel like anyone could die or be disappeared. Yep. It actually, in a weird way, kind of reminded me of Willy Wonka. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I was when Augustus Gloop gets sucked up into the chocolate tube. That really freaked me out a lot as a kid. And there are a few moments like that. One that's actually they do their own version similar. of that. Yeah. In this that is uh, that was my favorite sequence in the movie. Oh, I loved doubt. that. And it it's. It, it 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 channeled that in me. It like yeah. tickled that same that same weird. Well, that was kind of what I was trying to get at without spoiling it too much. The the characters specifically that things start happening to early in the movie are definitely not who you would expect. They're the mm-hmm. quote unquote innocents, mm-hmm. you know. And you never see movies do that. I loved that. All bets are pretty much off. Yeah, yeah. It's and that makes it exciting because they establish rather early mm-hmm. that nothing is sacred. Nobody yep. is really. No one's really the star. No, it's Maybe very much Max an ensemble. Boy, but yeah. it is an ensemble. Um, but you know anything can happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I to be honest with you, I actually sort of forgot it was Max's story centrally until later in the movie. But that's not a bad thing in this movie because like that's part of how you get all these like crazy stakes. Mm-hmm. Is that I, I kept be I kept sort of thinking like oh it's Adam Scott's story so he'll survive. Mm-hmm. Oh it's Tony Collette's story so she'll sur-. you know it's like it, it's it's. Narratively, it carries you through each of their stories, and they each have their own little arcs mm-hmm. uh, that are so successfully done. I sort of forgot Max was actually really the central figure of it, mm-hmm. it which allowed for me to think that like certain people were safe that maybe weren't, you mm-hmm. know, uh, which is cool. I think that's really fun. It was, a, I mean, it's a good script like that. Oh, there's, there's each character does a, have a, a thing. I mean, some of the kids are a little bit undercut, yeah, but not undercut. Just it, they didn't need to be, uh, they didn't need to be fleshed right. out as deeply as the rest. I was I mean, actually one kid has. Quite literally, no lines. Yeah, uh, throughout yep. the whole movie. Yep. <laughs> he's, uh, he's but the, because of that, uh, again, it's like that's a smart choice, only in the sense that then that's the effect of that kid, right? Yes. It's like that's what he's used for, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which makes him really effective. I actually, I thought the script was great because there's a lot of really great storytelling in this that almost happens off camera. We learn a lot about who these people are and how they treat each other and really what kind of people they are through their interactions that sometimes just are kind of happening like a little bit in the background of the real scene we're watching. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly. Uh, what I mean. And there were a lot of great little lines in those things that and they told never you a lot. Right, say who's related to whom. Right. But I mean, we were on the same page yep. immediately as to yep. who was related. Yep. Because you just they build all they that story that. contextually, mm-hmm. which is a it appears to be a hard thing for people to do. There, we talk about this a lot. There's a lot of expositing that happens in movies, and and this did a pretty good job of not having to exposit with like somebody being like, and here's the history of this, and here's how this works, and Here's who this There's is. There's really only one expository exactly. scene, yep. and it's the stylish yep. flashback yep. in the animated format, which is you know. Oh, that that makes sense to me. That yeah. works. You know, they they did well, it. That's in a, a way horror that, element yep. too, where you tell what yep. how, how the creature yeah. was was born. You yep. know, and uh, oh god, see, I don't I don't want to spoil anything, I but I think we should definitely talk about uh, th- these are in the trailer, but there are. Uh, the Krampus's helpers. Yes, that's are a variety what I was getting of at different different toys and creatures. Yes. Um, one of them, of which is a pretty monstrous Jack in the Box. I loved that. That's some scary. I shit. loved that. a Jack in the Box with a predator mouth. Yeah, that's that is that Even, to me was the same as the clown in Poltergeist. Uh-huh. When I was a little kid, that horrified me. Yeah, uh, if I if I was a little kid and I watched Krampus, which I think short of a few like if you have language issues in in terms of fucks here and there. Yeah. 
if I I would feel comfortable if I had like a thirteen year old kid watching that, I'd be fine. Yeah. You know? There a couple of those things would sit with me as, oh, yeah. as a younger person and would make me feel insane, but in a good way, in a fun way. Totally. In the way that something like Monster Squad did yep. and it this Jack in the Box is fucking great. Dude. Uh, oh my god i thought it was such a great and it's a totally practical effect mm-hmm. uh, i'm almost positive that was a fully practical effect almost it every time like we saw clowns it. from outer space style effect where yeah. it's just big old puppets yep and i'd actually be curious i know the digital effects were done by uh weta yes i wonder I, if the chiodo brothers had anything to do with it well i i can tell you from the credits uh weta got credited a few times and one of them was also for puppets and animatronics as well oh, okay, so i okay. think they may have done a lot of that that work uh, are the Chiodo brothers, what, uh, did they do Killer Clowns? They did Killer Clowns. They also, uh, I mean, they did a bunch of stuff. Large Marge in... Um, oh, in, uh, cool. Uh, Pee-wee. Pee-wee, yep. which scared the hell out of me oh, as a yeah. kid. They did that. They also designed the puppets for Team America. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, so they're, they're most of the things that scared you or entertained you, they, they touched if it mm-hmm. had puppets in it. That's worth looking up. I'd like to know that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... Uh, yeah, one of the things that uh, Doherty does really well is is uh, like okay, so I saw the night before earlier uh, mm-hmm. this week, uh, which I liked quite a bit. I definitely recommend people go see it. It's it's pretty funny. Um, but uh, that is, uh, I'm going to parallel these movies, even though they're not that similar. They're, they're what is similar about them is they are sort of trying to exist within the tradition of Christmas movies uh, and sort of be a send up of Christmas movies in a way. Uh, and the night before has trouble deciding what is important about Christmas movies and has and so ha- has trouble deciding what kind of Christmas movie it's trying to be and what it wants to do. Doherty is really good at just choosing specifically these are the Christmas elements that make sense for the story I'm telling. So these are the Christmas references that I'm going to make. These are the Christmas movies that are going to be the sort of basis for this story. Uh, you know, like there's some Home Alone in this, I would say. Uh, we talked about... Um, no Chiodos. No Chiodos, okay. Uh, we, uh, I would say there's a little bit of It's a Wonderful Life in this. There's, like, there's, there's just very specific things that he is choosing to focus on so that it lives as a Christmas movie fully. Mm. Whereas The Night Before just has a little bit of trouble deciding like, what is important about Christmas movies that we should focus on to make well, this think, feel I mean, like I a Christmas movie? Before, but I know it it happens on Christmas right. around Christmas time. Um, but it, there, I said, I didn't see it. But with Trick or Treat, the one thing I yeah. said when we were leaving the theater is that sure it's a horror movie, but I find that to be a Halloween yes. movie before a horror movie yep. any day of the week. Yep. Um, I would rather I watched it on Halloween this year. It's yeah. it's. It's good for it. It captures the spirit of the season. And I think that Krampus really does, even without any literal references, Yeah, it is a Christmas movie oh, before 100%. it's a horror movie, before it's a comedy. It's a Christmas movie. Yeah. And that's, Doherty's that's really fun. good at that, I think. He just, he, he's really, really good at, at uh, pulling apart uh, a genre and going like, okay, these are the five defining tenets of it. Mm-hmm. And as long as I stay within those, or, or I'm at least toying with those in some way, it feels like Christmas, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, let's wait. Let's try. Let's try and list some things. Yeah. What makes a Christmas movie? All right. Uh, you got to uh, honestly. I really think suburbs. Okay. Would yep. you agree with that? I would one hundred percent agree with that. Yep. Uh, generally, when I think of, and you know, maybe that's just because that's my own experience. But generally, when I think of Christmas movies, I do think suburbs. There's very few Christmas movies that take place in an urban environment. Yeah. Um, 
Die Hard is the only right. one I can think right. of. No, it is suburbs. I mean, yeah. that's why even Lethal Weapon, yeah. it focuses on the Murtaugh's home. Yep. Is is a big aspect of yep. it. Um, it's funny that those are the go-to Christmas movies, but <laughs> it's a movie movie. I know. And uh, no, I, I would absolutely say that the suburbs has something to do with yep. it. And Definitely dysfunctional I families. Families eating around the dinner table. Oh yeah, I think that got to be a dinner table. Almost scene. always in there. Yep. Um, that and that's just big for for Christmas movies. I mean, vacation. Yep. Uh, Christmas vacation, of course. <laughs> yep. Um, you know, Home Alone, Fuller oh, yeah. the bed. I don't yep. want to sleep on the hide of bed with Fuller. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah the um, pizza dinner. It's yeah, yeah, the it's. Uh, family family, family Stone I, I brought up to you earlier definitely mm-hmm. has that. It's uh, yeah, it's it is definitely a Christmas movie thing. Uh, More obvious one, snow, snow. Oh yeah, gotta yep. have snow. Gotta have snow. Uh, wait, I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think if anyone sits around a dinner table eating in one of my favorite Christmas movies, Love Actually. The but, Gata, um, right? That has to happen. It has to happen. Can I? That movie, I lo- I love yeah. Love Actually. I love it. Yeah. I love it, love it, love it. It has the best version of All I Want for Christmas is You that the that the little girl sings. Oh, right. And my God, does oh, the tears, the the waterworks. <laughs> remember remember back when, when Liam Neeson didn't just dispatch villains with I his totally Hulk forgot he was stature, in that movie. Yeah. And he used to just dispatch emotion <laughs> and, and, and destroy our hearts <laughs> with his certain set of skills. Oh, love actually, love it. But that's a Christmas movie. Yeah, you know it has all of those things. I'm trying to think of, of like other other tenants that uh, this movie at least is hitting that really make it feel so so Christmassy. You mm-hmm. know, um, well, there's definitely. I mean, I think the reason this overall feels Christmas more than horror is it is always coming back to the idea that the Christmas spirit must be kept alive. Mm-hmm. That is usually very central to... And in trick-or-treat, oh, it's tradition. Yep. Keep the tradition it, alive. I mean, uh, think about it. Like, Elf is about that. It's mm-hmm. Christmas spirit. We need more Christmas spirit. The Santa Claus is about Christmas spirit. You got to get the Christmas spirit. Got to believe. You know? Yep. It's a lot of these... Miracle on 34th Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 I'm trying, it's, that is de- a one, definitely... A, maybe the significant defining thing about Christmas movies is it's very much about... You have to you have to keep the spirit alive. Like mm-hmm. remember what this is about. Remember that this is about our families and and bringing and accepting you know people into your life that you might not otherwise. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and this movie really keeps the focus on that. that. I mean that that's the story. Yep. The plot is the Krampus shows yeah. up, but the story is absolutely a family trying to repair itself. Yep. You know, and and a little boy who is kind of the last vestige of that hope. Yep. Just. You know, losing his way, uh-huh. giving up on that hope, uh-huh. and then finding that the only thing that can possibly set the keep the story from progressing in a negative way is if they retrieve and hold on to that hope. Yeah, and, and it's I, absolutely a Christmas thing. And I think that's why Christmas movies sort of endure, and we like them so much, is mm-hmm. because that is a really um, obvious metaphor to make for just like appreciating life. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, Christmas is a season where we don't have to, you, uh, you know, you can make a movie where you can just keep saying, keep, Christmas spirit, keep the spirit oh, yeah. alive, and everybody gets that really what the you're life, saying. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. It's a wonderful life. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> but it's like we all understand that that's the parallel you're making yeah. immediately, and so then you don't have to go into heavy-handed like, this is about life and appreciating life. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it allows you to and be less all, heavy-handed about that. I mean, this is, this is broad, but I mean, the large majority of us have some form of a family. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, there, there's a line uh, towards the beginning when when the, when Max asks his dad, uh, Adam, Mr. Scott, <laughs> he says, "You know, why do we 
why do we do this? Why do we hang out with people that we don't even like just because yeah. we you know, share related, the same yeah. DNA? And he his answer is like, it's what you do. That's what family is. Yeah. And it's funny because in a cynical point of view, that is what family is. A hundred percent of my extended family, I wouldn't know or hang out with unless yep. we shared the same grandmother. Yep. And, uh, you know, what a coincidence. Hey. But uh, <laughs> at the same time, I do have a deep and abiding love for these people. Oh, yeah. And it's because they're the one group of people that you are forced to tolerate despite your differences. Yep. I can choose my friends. Yep. I can't choose my family. And a lot of them, you know, are awesome. A lot of them I probably wouldn't get along with at all if yeah. we were hanging out at a bar. But that builds character yeah. to find someone that it's like, wow, we're totally on a different page and you're my blood and I I love you and care about you. Yeah. Like that's and I think we can all bond with that in some type of way. Totally. You know, and and when I was watching Krampus, I just remember thinking, like, man, I, I'm really going to work hard on my Christmas shopping this yeah. year because I want to show my family how much I appreciate them. Yeah. And that's weird. That doesn't uh-huh. happen with a non-Christmas movie, but it happened. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. I, oh, man. Yeah. It's it's funny because, like, uh, the I I enjoyed this movie, like, watching it. You know, it was like mm-hmm. it was a really fun watch. Uh, you know, I, I think I might uh, end up giving it like a three star rating. I would say something mm. like that. It's it's really good. I wouldn't say it's Kicking like uh, that's fine. I wouldn't say it's like a it didn't blow my mind or anything. But the more I'm reflecting on it and thinking about how successful it is as a Christmas movie, I'm I'm like really realizing like how uh, impressive this actually is. Mm. You know, uh, the the fact that he was able to make a sort of scary haunted house monster movie. That is so legitimately a Christmas movie that gave me those like warm Christmas feelings. Uh, it's pretty impressive. That's crazy. It's super. I mean, it's something that we've been lauding Edgar Wright for for yeah. ages. I mean, we all love a good zombie movie. Yep. Shaun of the Dead's one of the best. Yep. But it's totally its own thing. Yes. You know, this is a great Christmas movie. Yeah. It's also like got you know monster teddy bears. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah. I, I absolutely appreciate that. I, I don't know what kind of... St- I mean, star reviews are just so arbitrary. They are, the they day. are, they are. Um, but I would certainly give it a very you know, positive It's, it's positive super review. positive for me. It's another movie, too, where uh, if, if we pull out the, the character we've sort of created here, the soulless editor, yeah. I don't think I could cut anything. No. Um, it, it doesn't feel fatty. Nope. It feels very, very lean. It moves from A to B. Super fast, yep. but it and and we didn't mention this. It's very funny. Oh yeah, very very funny. And I think that is what lubricates the process of going from. We a both to B. got a couple of big chuckles out of oh, this, yeah. like pr- and pretty frequently throughout the movie too. The whole theater did it. Yeah. Was, it was pretty reactive. Yep. People were really enjoying. Oh, you it. know what I wanted to talk about actually was was our theater experience tonight. There was just one thing that made me laugh because it was a, a typically bad theater experience. Philadelphia yeah. is a horrible place to see a movie. Oh, what's weird is so sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Yeah. I thought we played this right. Me Five too. 40 on yep. a Friday night and it really was just a group of kids in front of it us. It was <laughs> the thing that was pissing me off was I think their mom was in the theater or at least an she older was many sister rows behind us and allowed these obnoxious kids to, to she a didn't sit with them like specifically sat away from them so that there was no control over them. She was them. on a date. She was trying to get another kid. That's what I think. I know. <laughs> so uh, and then she would like get up and stand in front of us to tell them to be quiet, which was even more obnoxious. Mm. They Every- did. They did shut up after a while. Well, here's this is what I want. Oh, to I know bring exactly up. where you're going. I could not believe what finally made them shut up it blew my mind I, this made me realize how dumb kids are until they're in their 20s it takes a long time before anybody actually gets some sort of intelligence i mm. figured out based on tonight because these kids were not young kids they were teenagers oh, yeah. right but i mean teenagers want to be heard <laughs> That's once how it is. the animated sequence started 
which if you think about is overall like uh, this is not to criticize the movie i'm only saying this to make this point one of the boring sections of the movie there's nothing exciting happening there yeah, yeah, yeah. it's an animated sequence to tell some backstory that's when they finally settled in and started paying attention to the fucking movie was when the animated sequence come up because kids are so fucking dumb as soon as animation comes up they're like Ugh. uh yeah oh this is what frustrated me the most because i honestly the movie uh I, and i i've noticed they do this at that theater yeah the movies are louder there. Yes. Um, I've actually sat back. Like, when I saw Spectre, I moved back towards the back of the theater midway through because it was just rocking So me. loud. But I think I know why they do it. To overpower the loud audience? For the most part, like, once I was able to tune out the me chatter too. of these yep. kids, it really it didn't, didn't bother, bother me. me that much. Yeah. The one thing that bugged me, and I thought, where I almost said something, but I didn't because I knew it would just yeah. be lost. When we were laughing at a couple moments... Oh, yeah. Their comment was, what are you laughing at? It's not that funny. Yeah. It's like, well, maybe if you were watching. I know. <laughs> that got me so like uh, twisted up inside. But, you know, I was a kid once, too. So I know, I, I know. I this thought, is me paying my penance for probably acting like an asshole Being as a, a child dick too. when I was a kid, I know. But uh, at the same time, it was just like, oh, that was really funny. It was don't, really funny. Don't make me feel uncomfortable Listen, about laughing. I want to laugh. If you think about it, though, we were both getting like bigger rises than some of the other audience. Because you and I are much more in tune with like it, like... The way David Koechner is going to look at somebody yeah. and how oh, funny yeah. that can be, you know. Adam Scott I, I, says something smarmy. Yeah, that's not as funny as a Jack in the Box eating people. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I I think that you and I are a little more in tune with like uh, the filmmaker sense of humor, if that yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Like what they're what they see in their frame that's really funny. Uh, where I, I don't know that general audiences are always getting things that are subtle like that. Well, let's relate that to that's one of the credits of the movie. Yeah, is that we're sitting here trying to pick it apart in some intelligent. Some, that probably sounds dismissive, but you know, it's a, <laughs> yeah. in some sort of intelligent type of yes, way, yes. we're really trying to pull it apart, and there's a lot to chew on there, and it, there's a lot of value. Yep. But it's also like very silly on the surface. Oh my god, you could um, just go see this movie and have a great it's fucking silly, time. You know, and yeah. if I were, like I said, I I wouldn't bring like a young kid to see no. it, but a kid that's not interested in really paying attention to the more subtle humor is still going to find it just as. I mean, I would presume just as lean and uneditable and purely entertaining as, you know, it's, it's oh, I very agree. aggressively funny. Because even though even the chatty kids, every time the movie started to pick up its pace, like really start to hit on something, silence. They were in it, you know, it, uh, and that happens frequently enough that I think you're right. I think you could hit this on a total surface level and just enjoy the shit out of it. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, uh, uh, the performances across the board are really good in this, I think, uh, to the point where no one is actively being funny. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. yeah. No, nobody, like... Uh, no one's mugging or anything. No, both... Even Keckner, who is mm. usually more of a yep. character, and uh, is a much better actor than we give him credit oh, for. Oh, hell yeah. Once again, I gotta... What, what the heck was that movie? Uh, 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 oh, fucking fuck. Uh, cheap, cheap Thrills. Cheap Thrills. Cheap Thrills. He was very, very good in that. And the so thing is, good. he became a comedic actor, but I mean, yep. he's he's someone who could... you. Could could probably put him in a in a play. That's I think good. he'd be a great fucking villain in something. Oh yeah, he. I bet Absolutely. he could play a real fucking. He's just really good at playing yeah. a dumb hick. Yeah. But even his character, which could be cartoony, um, I, I one of the movies that I that that had a, this exact problem was earlier this year, Cooties. Yeah. Um, I didn't love that movie. It's not bad. It, yeah. There's really nothing offensive about it. But all of the characters are such aggressive caricatures yep. that the that the world doesn't seem as upended by the Cooties yeah. as this world seems by the Krampus. Totally. Because he is... He is He's pretty grounded, way, though, I think. But I've met that guy yeah. before. You know? Like I said, he reminded me of a slightly heightened version of my dad, but he wasn't really mugging for the camera no. so much or doing anything silly. 
but he is being a guy that that I personally find a bit pitiable. He's but he, certain, he does play it real. He is certainly the biggest character we could say in yeah. the movie. You know, he's the biggest character, but I don't think he's he's not overdoing it at all. Doing a character? No, he's not. So he's playing a role. Oh yeah, he's he's in that's it. Cool. And Adam Scott too, who's another guy that very much could, if he wanted to, be like super funny with all this stuff and and plays it real straight, which allows for those comedy moments to like I actually think like really work. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, because those comedy moments feel like the comedy comes from us watching the characters react to something rather than them doing like a funny commentary on it, mm. you know, uh, which I love. I think nobody's that... tripping and falling on their face and landing in Christmas cookies right, or anything right. like that. But there are people getting attacked by sentient Christmas cookies. Hell yeah, there are. And it's because that is such a, a uh, an upended... Uh, there, there's a line, and I don't believe this to be spoilery, stop yeah. me if, uh, if it is, where someone's like, oh, you don't want to know what we just saw. And yeah. David Koechner's character is like, I just fought gingerbread cookies. I can handle it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Just yeah. tell me. <laughs> and, but... You know, we were talking about the Will Ferrell world. Yes. In Anchorman, he lives in an insane world. Yes. You know, it's it's a world that doesn't... This is the real world. Oh, yeah. And so when it becomes this strange Christmas fantasy, you have normal people reacting. If they were characters, it would have the problems that I'm stating Cootie's had. Yep. Where it's just, yeah, but I this kind of would happen in this world, right? Yep. You know, this is, a, this is a normal thing for you. The movie would have had to have been even more heightened for that to work in any way. Yeah. yeah. You know? And, and then it would be less funny. It would be yeah. it would be a little broader and a little... It would be rompy, you know? Yeah, and yeah. this doesn't have that feel to it, which I like. And it wouldn't be scary. Right. And this is scary. This is scary. In, I think it in works. In a fun way. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, I think you use the term funhouse. Yeah. At some point. And it, that's it so accurate. Is. It's yeah. a haunted house movie. There's no, and honestly, there's no jump scares that no, I can think of. I don't there's think a so. few eerie, creepy mm-hmm. moments. There's some very stylistic stuff. Yep. There's also some really aggressive horror kind yep. of stuff, but it's it's very. When it's I like say a it was scary, it was scary in my favorite way, where I was smiling the whole time. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. I was I was delighted by the thrills I was getting from it. Mm. Uh, which is always my favorite kind of horror. I think when it mm-hmm. when it's more giving me that like, oh, this is so crazy. You yeah, know, yeah. that's I love that. That's why I mean the the funhouse movie I always reference is Temple of Doom. Oh yeah, where that movie has some really horrific stuff. Oh yeah, I'm not having nightmares about it, but at every turn you're going, whoa, yeah. oh shit, yep. oh shit, that's crazy. Yeah. And it's, it's exciting. It's why you go to a haunted house. This movie, remember the way the second act finally ramped up where mm-hmm. they where they spent like five minutes really building tension in two different, like oh, one yeah. in the attic and one in the living room? And then all of a sudden, like a fucking chainsaw, they just like pulled the ripcord and it went nuts for like mm-hmm. 10 minutes. I loved that. Mm-hmm. I, I, like I almost, I was almost frustrated with how long they built that tension. I was almost frustrated. I was like, what are we doing? Where's this going? What are we doing? It needed to but pay off. But then when yeah. it fucking powder kegged, I was like, oh, that was perfect. Like, yep. I'm so glad they spent that time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's, it's, you can't cut anything. Yep. That, that is, because uh, any, any less buildup, and it would just be like, well, now you're just throwing shit right. at me. You know, and it's, yep. I, I think my favorite sequence is the first introduction of the Krampus oh, creature. Oh, that was awesome. And it's just a character is outside and the Krampus is in the background jumping from house to house. Yep. It is one of the most supremely designed environments. Yep. And it's it's very... Uh, it kind of reminded me... Of, I don't know if you've seen Troll Hunter. Yes. It reminded me Agreed. a little bit of that. It also reminded me... And this is... Of course, this movie's going to come into the conversation, but Rare Exports. Oh, yeah. I which, haven't seen that yet. That one has Santa creatures in it. Yep. But they do the same kind of thing. It's Krampus-inspired. Yep. yep. It's it had that vibe to it, but this one felt eerie. Yeah, it felt oddly cozy, 
because that's I mean that's one of my favorite things about and you know what that's another Christmas that's another movie Christmas thing, thing. Cozy, coziness man. yeah the weather outside is frightful but yep. the fire is so delightful yep. it had that feeling but it was like oh outside you're exposed cocoa makes everyone feel better exactly cocoa yeah. cocoa solves everything yeah and uh, it's uh, I I will say that there was a couple things that I I didn't uh, wait maybe he did did the they they set up a couple weapons. I thought the creme brulee torch. Did that ever get used? I, no, again? it didn't. Was I, that what lit the? Oh, oh, it had to have been. It yes. had to have been. It right? had to have been. Well, they do they do a couple things, you know, like that. Where I think that's smart. If this indeed happened, it's yeah. smart scripting. Yeah. Where they there are some foreshadowed moments. Yep. But it is uh, to go back. Sorry, that that Krampus sequence had that weird coziness. Yes. Where you suddenly feel exposed, and then you're never quite cozy again. Yep. That's really awesome filmmaking. Yeah. You know, that's that is a in Psycho they 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 set you right up front with the the shower death happens right away yep. and now you're scared of the shower for the rest yeah. of the movie. Like I was I didn't want them to go back outside at any point. Yeah, you know, I agree. Was, and in that it was very much like the mist we yep. were talking about where the world just changes outside. Totally. Now you're exposed. Mm-hmm. You know, what you thought was commonplace is now this is your your fort yeah. to survive. Ooh. You know, I wanted to ask you this actually. Uh the so uh, uh, a thing that sort of recurs a few times throughout the movie is they keep hearing things in the attic mm-hmm. and there's a shot where the camera just looks at the ceiling and pans back and forth across the ceiling as the sounds are being made i know that also happens in your next is your next isn't the first time anyone's done that is it no not at all it's that's like a, a thing like that has existed forever camera, right yeah that's that's just okay a, because we've all heard things right. in the house settling and go, Because every time that happened, it was so reminiscent of the way it was done in your next. I had this great warm feeling inside of like, yeah. Yep. I love that that dude's style is like already sort of like creeping into other stuff. You I know? mean, I would say certainly Doherty and, and uh, uh, now I can't think of his name. Oh, Wingard. Yes, Wingard. Yeah. I would say that there's certainly a similar a sensibilities. I think. element. I like, I was when I was I've been going through the Coens movies. Yes. Uh, if you follow my letterbox, you know I've been going through the Coens as chronologically as I can. Ooh. They worked with Raimi back in the day. Oh yeah. And there are more than a few moments where I'm like, oh, they they come from the same visual camp. Yep. Are they similar filmmakers in a broad sense? Absolutely no, not. No, They're yeah. doing two completely different things. Yep. But there's a couple moments where I was like, "That's a Raimi shot," mm-hmm. and and but it's of that. I would put them in the in a similar yeah. sort of camp where it's I agree. like. They they're definitely their own thing, but they're of that school. Yeah, you know, there's a thing there. And I I, I don't know that just that that tickles me a little bit. That Absolutely. like, and, and you know, I, I again, I'm I, I I assumed that your next was not the first time somebody did that type of uh, shot or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I, I wonder if the Conjuring did it. Yeah, probably. I was yeah. thinking that actually at a certain point. I was like, I bet that did it too. But I I don't know. It, may, it gave me a little tickle. Like, yeah, Wingard's his, his stuff's getting out there. People people are seeing it. And well, it makes it. me happy to see too. Like the reason why I love your next so much is yeah. that. It exists post the cynical horror that's that's finally starting to fade, yep. and it was also just a reminder that, like, hey, you know, you can still rely on some good old trickery that isn't like a found footage gimmick. And I love me some found uh-huh. footage, but you know, you can make a film, and The Conjuring was a very good version. Plenty of, of that. other tropes you can you play know, with. So many things that yeah. you can rework and fr- and refresh, yep. and just do in a new way. And your next does that. Things like The Conjuring did that, and yep. Krampus is of that style. Totally. You know, this is the kind of thing that. You re- and that was another problem with cooties. 
There was no real flair there. Yeah. You could point a camera at this script and make a pretty passable movie and yeah. you get a cooties, but there's certainly some artistry happening that turns it into that fun house. Turns this movie's just got it's great cool. artistic design, I think. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a, uh, I was actually impressed by that. I was, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure Trick or Treat was a very cheap movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think Doherty has gotten a lot of money to make movies over the years. I think this must have had some kind of fairly significant budget, and I'm impressed they even got it. Well, I mean, they used Weta and stuff. Yeah. And, well, and, you know, there's there's some star power and yep. stuff like that. But, I mean, hey, you write a couple of X-Men movies, you're going to have some change. Totally. You know what I mean, though, right? Like, this is the oh, kind yeah. of movie we don't make that much anymore. Mm-hmm. And it looks to me like it would have required a decent chunk of change to make it. And I'm really impressed he was able to get all of that done, just as a, ma- as a matter of that fact, you know? Find the budget. I, I, I'm going to guess it's at least 50 mil. Uh, I wonder, is that something Box Off Mojo has? Or, or, or I, I bet IMDb has that as a stat somewhere. Budget, ready? Yep. 15 mil. Estimated. 15? 15, yep. That's incredible. Well, I have let's to, dude, let's that, look up Trick or Treat. Think about that. That is, th- this is that much more impressive to me. That's every oh, fucking yeah. dollar on the screen then. And I love when I see stuff like that, where it's like, yeah, you gave me 15 mil and I put every cent of it into what the audience sees. I'm trying to see if I can find the one for Trick or Treat. It doesn't seem to be listed. I bet that's under five. Well, what I liked about Trick or Treat, though, just to you know talk a little bit about Doherty's style, that that movie has a slasher scene. Yep. It has the creepy, foggy ghost scene. Yep. It has a werewolf, you know, sexy yep. vampire scene. It really does genre hop. Mm-hmm. Um, scarecrows in the front yard. You know, yep. it, it genre hops. And this is a guy who knows how, to, you know, he knows his tropes and how to work them. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see what Trick or Treat's budget is. I am so impressed this was made for 15 mil. That's really impressive to me. It makes me wonder why we aren't getting better, not better, but more, I guess, uh, you know, low to mid-budget movies. You want to take a guess at Trick or Treat? I'm guessing it's under five. 12 million. Seriously? So it's only three million short. Interesting. Yeah. Because I would say this movie looks, to me, quite a bit deal more expensive than Trick or Treat. That's no insult to Trick or Treat, either. I mean, that one, too, though, also has, uh, you know, Dylan Baker, Anna Paquin, Brian Cox. Yeah. I think the stars are a little more expensive. I think your most expensive star in uh, uh, would be Tony Collette from yeah, Krabbis. Yeah. She was nominated for an Academy Award. Do yes. you know the movie? Uh, Monsters Ball? Six Sense. Oh, seriously? Yep. And also, Monster's Ball is, because I'm never sure if Monster or Monster's Ball is the Charlize Theron one, Monster which is what I was Charlize thinking Theron. of. Monster's Ball is, is what got Halle Berry best Halle Berry, actress. right, yeah. yeah. Yep. I always think of the, uh, the Jim Gaffigan joke. He talks about Monster's Ball. He's like, I can't watch movies like that because whenever I see like Halle Berry oh, on yeah, screen, yeah. I'm like, man, she could be a model. Uh-huh. She could get some photos together. She could be the next Halle Berry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love. Well, you know, I love that concept oh, yeah. of just celebrities being recognized yep. in movies. Um, I'm actually going to look up Krampus on Wikipedia to see if perhaps they have a different uh, box office estimate. Yeah, no, I, they have it at 15 mil. Okay. Yeah, that's so impressive to me, man. That's so impressive to me. I love that. But again, that makes me question: like, why are we not getting more low to mid budget, uh, inventive original movies like this? Here's the thing: uh, trick or treat. Produced by Brian Singer. Ah. Uh, Krampus is produced by three non-clickable names. Yep. Uh, Michael Doherty, Alex Garcia, and John Jashney. Yep. And then Thomas Tull is clickable. Let's click him. 
He is oh, Legendary Pictures. He's the yeah, CEO oh, yeah, for yeah. that. Yep. So yeah, I imagine Brian Singer has a little bit more money to throw a little in more pull. Yeah, probably has a little more uh, elbow grease made money. Yeah, yeah, know. that's probably true. Yeah, I bet the unclickable names might be like private investors. There's mm. a lot more of that happening in in movies now. Um, yeah, I I really liked this. I think people should go see this. This is like especially if you're one of those people that like. Actually, here's the great thing about this movie. Actually, if you're one of those people that hates Christmas, go see this movie. Yeah, I think this oh, yeah. movie's for you. You know, if you're one of those people that loves Christmas, go see this movie. I think mm-hmm. this movie is for you. And even more so, if you like horror movies, hell yeah, you could go see it. If you don't really like horror movies, I think you could still I see this. I bet you'd enjoy this. I one. think you would. It's very fun. Yeah, it's not gruesome in any way. Mm-mm. Uh, it, it's just fun. Yeah. Uh oh, you know, I also liked that there are certain. Creatures will say that are never revealed, and I actually liked that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean when I say mm-hmm. that? I actually liked that choice a lot. I thought that made that thing that much scarier because mm-hmm. we just don't quite know. It's a bigger world. Yeah, it's a bigger, scarier. Yep. Ooh. Oh, yeah. there's a couple pieces of imagery that really. Uh, yeah, oh, it's gonna stick with me. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of really, really interesting stuff. Hell yeah. And it's it's mostly practical. Yep. You know, the world is enhanced by CG, but it's mostly pra- like there's um this is kind of something that uh. I, I do wish that they expounded upon the uh, advent calendar. Yeah, because me too. like the thing behind the window, yep. you know, kind of represented what the yes. next level of of yep. uh, you know Krampus. attack was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of Krampus was. But I understand not wanting to make this movie last. We're a at week, Krampus level you know? orange. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Uh, uh, what was that stupid alien movie? Oh, wave fifth five. wave. Fifth yeah. wave. Uh, no, but it, if it if this movie took. It took longer than a week. It, yeah. you'd lose a lot. Oh hell yeah! But uh, you know there was there was a cool device that they did at the beginning where the little boy's like, "There's a snowman in our yard." And it's like whatever, but more snowmen keep yeah. popping up, and it starts to suggest that there's a a meaning behind the snowman. Yeah, but it's never explored. No, nope. but it's something that now that I'm thinking about it, it just added a point of value to this movie. You know that yeah. that was a kind of a and actually thing. I just thought of a perhaps rational explanation for that uh, that I'll throw to you after the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also that is you you did bring up that you felt like there were maybe a few unfulfilled sort of foreshadows, uh, which is not uh, I agree is not necessarily the case. I will agree with you though that like the snowmen. Felt like a setup that never paid off yeah, to yeah. me. See, well, the thing is, though, they did do something yes, with they it did. that I think paid it off and yes. explained it, and they just never expounded upon right. it, which I think is is more interesting than someone being like, huh, this snowman means this. And yep. this uh, you know, that's... I just thought they would like become sentient attack, and that would have been fun. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, But, yeah. I uh, I I would highly recommend. Highly I think recommend. I'm out this. of things to say about it. Me too. I, I think, think I'm should, I'm uh, ready to move on to uh, the next segment. But uh, I do think people should definitely check this movie out. It was absolutely. a lot of fun. Krampus. 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 Um, we should talk before we get into our list. We wanted to talk about this a little bit. Yeah. Movie news. Yeah. Um, one of the holiday movies coming out this year, uh, to some, is Quentin Tarantino's new movie, The Hateful Eight. The Hateful Eight. And um, otherwise, it'll go into wide release in January. But I think there's definitely a winter movie. It seems yes. to be a snowbound yep. movie. Yep. It seems to be a uh, group, uh, a family of sorts in a uh-huh. cabin dealing with the elements outside. A Reservoir Dogs remake, if you will, which yeah, has me certainly. excited in some Absolutely. Some I never even yeah. thought about right? that. Right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And and um, so there's been a small amount of strange controversy, and it is something of, that concerns the world of film yeah. as a whole. Yes. So this is a movie that is. <laughs> this is we're not about to talk about the police threats against Tarantino. No, no, no that's <laughs> that's the other dumb, dumb controversy shit. around this. And uh, that, come on, police! You're yeah. really going to outwardly threaten? 
Oh, oh, you are a gang now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it, that's insane. Yeah. Huh. Anywho. Continue. Yeah, and, and it's like, oh, yeah, he's not the only one protesting. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people. A are you, lot you, you of You taking them. everybody on now? Are you literally saying Just you're taking, taking on the public? Because that's thanks, how the public the feels. Press. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but, okay, so Tarantino yeah. is releasing this movie in 70 millimeter on film. Um, there is a limited way to see this. Not a lot of theaters are doing it. It's called the Road, the Road Show. Yep. hundred theaters uh, nationwide yep. are playing it. That's it. We would have to go to New York to, to see to it or to uh, DC. Yep. And uh, but a couple screenings. In fact, one of the first press screenings of the seventy millimeter one had very big issues. Yes. And one of the reasons being that so few projectionists are out there yep. that you have theaters staffed by people that don't really know how to it's work. Dying art form. Don't really know how to do the projection. And so at this one particular screening, there were visual issues with yeah. the projection. Sounds and like some soft the focus, intermission, things like that. Yeah, there was like there was unfocused areas, just wasn't projected right. Yep. It was something that, you know, a kid was probably projecting yep. it at a theater. And so the second half, they showed the digital print for mm-hmm. the second half of the movie. And by a fair amount of reports, despite the love and desire and outright necessity for the preservation of film, yes. the digital print looked better. Yep. What does this mean? Oh, boy. Yeah, we were talking about this because I, I think you and I definitely agree. Uh, film stock, literally film stock, is important. Mm-hmm. I, that's a, a, a thing that I, I don't want to go away, and it is looking more and more like it may like literally become fully defunct. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, I, I think we would both agree, there is like a look to film that is distinct to film. Well, we um, see, you know, the super high-def TVs yep. nowadays, there's a setting on some of them that when you watch it, it actually just looks like you're looking through a window, yeah. and it ruins the cinematic sense. Yeah. You've seen that before, yep. right? And you, it almost looks like they're wearing costumes. Yep. It looks like there's a set because it's so real. That it's a little hyper-realized. No, there's no pain between you and the characters, so yep. it just doesn't seem cinematic. And that is one level away. You know, that's two levels away from that same pain put up between you and a movie that's shot on film. Yes. There is a falsity to it yep. that is essential to That the, actually the, helps the cinematic helps experience, cinematic, I yeah. think. It, the, because, you know, uh, the, the, you're going to have the best experience with a movie when you are able to suspend your disbelief, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that layer of unreality actually helps that. Um, so I, I think it's important. I, I think the preservation of film is extremely important. That being said. And when you watch an old print that's been handled, like, you know, with, with every new print, anytime you project something on film, that film reel changes in it's some It's immediately degrading. It's a little bit different. And yep. so, you know, oftentimes we'll go to Exhumed Films events and they yeah. project them. And there's just something about, you see the stains, the quote-unquote cigarette burns. Yep. You see these stripes. You hear the the whole time. That's an awesome thing. It, for for a cinephile, that feels good. It makes you feel warm. There's a tactile nature to the movie exactly. then, you know? But the argument is, oh, man, that 70 millimeter looks so, so good. Right. And I think we're reaching a point where it might be inferior. With, with 4K resolution and, and 4K projectors that can handle that resolution very well across a large format uh, screen, uh, it, it seems to me... I personally don't have evidence of this. You know, I've never sat down to a movie that for the first half was film, the second half was digital, right? So I, I don't have the firsthand experience to, to qualify this. But it is seeming more and more like we are finally reaching a point where digi- the, the cameras themselves that can shoot digitally and then the projectors that can actually project back that image at a high enough uh, quality 
sounds like it is actually starting to exceed the capabilities of film. Mm. Uh, and that should be exciting in some way, I think. You know, uh, Why wouldn't we want a new technology that allows us to make better-looking films technically for cheaper? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's... Well, there's the scale of what you're paying for. Yeah. And first and foremost, you know, like... We can still make silent movies. Yeah. We can still make black and white movies. Yeah. But you know what? We can. We want to. We want to talkies and want to do that. It's now a choice. Um, the 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 argument here is that you're gonna want a tangible copy of these yeah. movies, and that no longer is really a thing, right? In terms of just you know, like, what are you gonna put a flash drive in the Library of Congress? Right. Yeah, that's that's is probably what you're gonna yep, do. Yep. But. Uh, Oh, where the fuck was I going with that? Uh, you know, you want that you want that tangible copy, but uh, fuck it, I don't know. No, uh, you you were I think you were trying to to walk down a path of, of just um, what what is it about uh, uh, film and movies that we? Oh, well, yeah, we're. It's not like we can't do it anymore, right? The argument that that at least a few articles that I read about this one troubled screening of the Hateful Eight is. You made a huge deal about this being yeah. in 70 millimeter, and a few of the screenings didn't work. Right. And made a very strong case for just go see the digital yep. one. And so, as a result, you know, right now there's only two or three filmmakers that have a studio that'll put out a wide release in film. Yep. Uh, Christopher Nolan's one of them, Tarantino's yep. the other. I think Scorsese and, and Spielberg are like the other ones Scorsese on the list. Scorsese shot digital for yep. uh, Wolf of Wall Street. And he loved it. Um, Spielberg did film for Bridge of Spies. I know yep. that. But it's like that's Spielberg, Tarantino, and Nolan. Big wigs that have yeah. a good relationship with the studio yep. that you're going to sit down and see their movie in whatever yep. format. So the, the, the scary thing to a lot of people is. No studios are going to want to release it because it 100% makes more sense across the board to do digital. Yep. My counterpoint to that is, aren't we kind of just already there? Yeah. You know, if there's only three that we can list that can make a wide release film thing, then I think that battle is, I don't want to say lost because you can still shoot on film, but it's like, I don't know if it's worth fighting. Right. Um my 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 hesitation with is it worth fighting because I, I mostly agree with you actually is is I just uh, I love film yeah. I really do uh, but my big thing is I would hate to see film itself just disappear yeah I I would like a future where that is still an option Absolutely. if it just as black and white just as silent just as you know I would love for that to be a choice a filmmaker can make if the filmmaker wants to make that choice. The now there are a it's, lot it's of so drastically more expensive yep. that no one's going to make no that studio choice. will. That's, that's the, the problem. Yeah, yeah. That's the problem because because and that's what I was about to say is as long as you full well know the concessions you're making by making that choice, I still think they should be able to make that choice. The concessions being. Well, now a lot more of your budget has to go into the film itself. Mm-hmm. And now that means you have a limited amount of films. So you're going to have a limited amount of takes you can do for certain setups and mm-hmm. things like that. But if the filmmaker's confident in themselves and that choice and that decision and knows that those are the caveats that come with it, I would like a world in which they can make that decision and make oh, that yeah. choice. Well, and what's funny, though, is when you think about it, Chris Nolan, Tarantino, and uh, Spielberg... They can get as much film as they want. Oh yeah, you know there, there's no. Yep. you're not going to run out. Yeah, it, it, you're going to get the film. It's yep. fine. You know, whereas an independent filmmaker, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even imagine trying to do anything on film. Right, and so they're probably not going to make that choice. And if they do, they're going to do it uh, in a brash way that doesn't actually make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be because they're like you and I, and like, no, film is important, and this has to be on film, and that's not going to help their movie. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Well, that was, and I haven't seen it, but you mentioned it about uh, Project Greenlight. Yes, the, that one was a of big the thing. One of the big stories in Project Greenlight this year was that the uh, the filmmaker they chose to direct the movie really wanted to shoot on film. The producer kept saying that is wildly expensive, and you have a few things in your script that are going to cost us like a significant amount of money. It would be better to shoot digitally so that we can put the money into those other sequences. And he put his foot down. He said, "No, I want it on film." So they made that choice. And the movie that got made is not great. Now, that's not because he shot it on film, but the point is, yeah, you had he else. shot it digitally, A, he might have been able to do more takes on some things that didn't work, and B, he could have put that money into some of those sequences that ultimately don't work that well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. It's, it, it, you know. There are concessions that get made when you decide to make that choice, but I really hope they still can make that choice if they want. I, I, and I, I think they can. Yeah. I mean, it's... Well, the pro- really, the problem is that uh, the production, the, the, the actual producers of film do not have a reason to keep producing film yeah, yeah, yeah. if there are not people making movies with that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as fewer and fewer filmmakers do it and make that choice, there's less and less of a reason for them to keep manufacturing that product. Absolutely. There is a very real future that we're not far away from where there's just not the option of shooting on film anymore because there's you know, no though, more film. You know how much fucking vinyl I own? Yeah. And that that's why I'm not so scared is because yeah. I feel like we're already at a point where it, it it's not happening. Yeah. It's absolutely not happening. Uh, they're not making these films. Yeah. You know, only a few people are, and it it almost has become a novelty. I buy vinyl because it's a novelty. Right. I enjoy it. I do like the sound of it. I like the crackles and pops. But uh, I'll take digital all the way. Yeah. You know, in terms, it's just a fun collection, mm-hmm. really. And it's weird that the standard has become the novelty, but I, I, I think I'm ready to make that transition. I am too. Um, I don't want it to go away, but I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to go away. Right. I just, it seems to me that we're going to get better movies in terms of quality. I was going to say digital you know, less is, kitsch factor, but we're getting better movies. That choice is not going to change a. Like is not going to make a good movie bad or a bad movie good. Mm-hmm. That is not a choice that will change that, right? Mm. Uh, if shooting digital is going to allow for just better movies because we can shoot more, we can blah 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 blah. Yeah, why not? I, I think I one well, and it's I when on Cinadelphia we did a thing where all the writers wrote down what they were thankful yeah. for. You know, just what film things are we thankful for, and that was. The one thing I said was I'm thankful for video on demand and digital cinema. Yeah. And as much as I fucking love film and all that, there are a lot of movies from a lot of filmmakers that it's just a wildly diverse pool of different types of filmmakers with different stories to tell. Yep. And suddenly they can tell them well and find an audience. Yeah. I'll take that over Ben Hur any of day. Course. You know, I'm not knocking Ben Hur, no, but no, I mean, no, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, if you, you want to make a big film epic, that's great. But, you know, I, I can go, you know, we get. Stuff like Creep, or the one you know, I love, yeah, the one you know, yeah. stuff that's really interesting, good film yeah. that it's you know if they had to spend, you know, and this is the story I related when um Vince Gilligan was on uh, Marin's podcast, yeah. he talked about Breaking Bad. That whole show was shot on film, every second of it. Better Call Saul, they went digital, and the reason why was they discovered they were spending some ridiculous amount of money on film reels, and when they you know when they when they realized they weren't didn't need to spend it on film. You could put all that in front of the camera, yep. and suddenly you have this really high-quality product. And Gilligan said that his deciding point was they shot the same thing with digital and on film and scrambled it up and showed him both and said, can you tell the difference? And he, he couldn't. Yeah. And said, well, then that's that. You that- know, a decision's made. It looks good. If the argument is that it... I, I think 
what the argument me, for a sucks. long time was that digital cameras were not uh, producing an image that was quite of the quality of film. Yeah. And I think we have passed that point. I think I think we have passed that point. And as much as I hate to say it, the reason I want to preserve film is definitely a novelty. Yep. And that's that's crazy to think, but I think it's a novelty. And, and also a nostalgia, uh, because we grew up in an era of being able to hear the projector and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, Absolutely. I, I think that's part of it, too. Um, and I'd hate to lose it, but I, I do think that this bold new future we're moving into of digital cinema is... I can't think of many negatives, mm-hmm. you know? I can't... Yeah, really, the only one is, is what you said, like, maybe we'll just stop having film right. produced. But you know what? If I don't know, that I might, still got vinyl. I know so, that might be, you know. and that might be a price worth paying for. You know, cross your fingers for just better, Absolutely. better movies. You know, I mean, to this day, I think cassette tapes are supposed to have some of the highest mm-hmm. quality music on them. I throw, give me a cassette tape, yep. and I'll show you the cheapest doorstop you ever made. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I have no. I'll take Spotify. Yep. And I really don't think I can tell. Yeah. You know, Neil Young says he can tell, but he's what, 100? He's going <laughs> deaf anyway. Out with the old, in with the new. Hey, baby. Neil old. Right? <laughs> right? I'm tired, guys. Speaking of, uh, nope, I didn't even have a good transition for that. Let's do but dysfunctional right. family that's, that's movies. That's all we have for news. Yeah. But yeah, we decided in terms of, uh, of Krampus movies uh, and Krampus, dysfunctional family movies. We made some and top so fives. We made some top fives here. I should have put mine. I got mine in order. I can start with my number five while you figure yours out. All right, hit your number five. My number five is The Squid and the Whale from 2005. Ah, That is It is uh, a Noah Baumbach film. I've not seen it. You've not seen it? I have not seen it. Totally recommend it. It's really, really good. It's been on my list for, oh, 20 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's really good. It's really... Before it came out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's really good. It's really funny. Uh, It's got a very good, like, emotional heart to it, like a really good sort of core story to it. And it is about a very dysfunctional New York family. Mm. Uh, Jeff Daniels is fucking great in it. Really good. Uh, One of the lesser Baldwin brothers is hilarious in Mm. it. Uh, I don't remember which one. Daniel Stephen. Stephen, maybe. I think Stephen. One of Jesse Eisenberg's, you know, earlier roles. And and, uh, really, really, really good. Nice. Uh, it's it's good. Uh, totally recommend it. Squid uh, and the whale. It 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 will. Uh, I think you will relate to it in some way. Mm-hmm. If you were ever any kind of intellectual asshole as a kid, oh. do you know what I mean? Like I like way like too sometimes. big for your britches, that yep. kind of thing. Uh, you will totally relate to it. Ooh, see, it was one where I I never knew what it was about. Yep. I I, I could draw you the poster out yeah. of memory. And I always was like, oh, I heard that's good. And just let it go. This will give you an indication of, of why I think you would appreciate it. There's a scene where Jeff Daniels, the, the, he's like this, uh, he's an author, I think. And it's about uh, a couple getting divorced and how it like affects their kids. And he's like an author and he's a real pretentious kind of like prick, basically. Uh, and at some point, one of his sons says he likes a particular movie that he does not find to be like a good movie in any way. And he says, he tells his son not to be a Philistine. That's uh, and then his son repeats that to other kids throughout, yeah, yeah, yeah. like the you know, it's uh, shallow and pedantic. Yeah, yeah, it's it's that kind of thing. It's it's that's really funny, good, and that's yeah. typical Bombox style yeah. humor. Yeah, very funny. Uh, so I totally recommend that. Number five. Well, all right, my number five. I'm going with August Osage County. I haven't seen that yet. That's a good movie. It's based on a play. Yep. Um, I've not read the play. It's by Tracy Letts, okay. who did Bug yep. and Killer Joe, which mm-hmm. were both made into Friedkin movies. I forget who directed August Osage County. It may have been Friedkin. That's crazy. I didn't realize those were Friedkin movies. 
Oh yeah, they're freaking movies. I uh, it's funny though. The more and more I watch freaking movies, I'm like, I think this guy might hate women. Yeah, <laughs> but, I agree. Um, <laughs> um, let's see what he. But it, August Osage County, if it is him, uh, no, it's John Wells. Okay, but either way, this is a. Uh, oh, he just did like a bunch of TV like. Show. Oh, you know what? Did he produce or direct that? If he directed Love and Mercy, I'm about to declare myself a fan. Ooh, um, that's he, one I got to catch up on. He for this did year. not. But either way, August Osage County is the ultimate dysfunctional family yeah. movie. It's just a, a really great performance from Julia Roberts. She's oh, cool. awesome in it. But it's just a, it's there's it's basically a, a giant dinner table scene. Yeah. The movie. Oh wow! But it, it they're just all uh, they're all different types from different walks. But there's one I don't want to say too much. But midway through the movie, there's sort of a reveal that is based on family relationships that my jaw hit the floor Whoa. and when i and and the resolution what what is decided to be done with this information is bold Whoa. and it is one of those kinds of things where it, it it threw me for a loop wow and to the point where i was like wait are they saying what i think they're saying yeah yeah and then when it was oh yeah they're saying it i was very 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 shocked that's crazy that but actually it, makes me want to see the it's movie. well done it's yeah. a good movie really really good and uh you know August Osage County. I'd highly recommend. From what I understand, was that this year or last year? Is, that was last year. Yeah. The play was maybe two years ago. Apparently, the play is significantly different, but Tracy Letts did adapt it into the okay. script, so I imagine it's there. This is just what I heard from Jenna. My right. girlfriend's an actress, so she reads plays. She yeah. said it is different, but uh, it, yeah, it was, uh, man, it was good. <laughs> what was weird is it almost didn't make this list. Uh, yeah. Happiness almost took that slot. Oh, okay, yeah. But uh, it occurred to me, I just kept thinking about that one thing that I'm talking about, yeah. where I was like, that is the most dysfunctional That sits with you, yeah. Good movie. Uh, number four on my list is The Royal Tannenbaums. I feel like this is a, a pretty go-to dysfunctional family movie. That wasn't going to be my number four, but I don't really have a set thing yet short of my, uh, short of my number uh, one. And uh, so I'll, I'll put Royal Tenenbaums at number Let's four. That it, yeah. is on my list. It's just, I mean, I have loved this movie uh, for a long time. In fact, this was, I think, my first Wes Anderson movie. Mm. I remember seeing commercials for it on TV, and it was rated R, so I couldn't go see it. But it had all these actors I really like in it, and it I really wanted to old. see it. I saw that in the theater like four times. Yeah, <laughs> no, I was too young. I was too young. I couldn't That's go see wild. it. Uh, and so then I was like on vacation with my family over the summer one year and it was available to rent. It had just come out on video and I was like, oh, I wanted to see that. And so I rented it. Uh, and I did not understand that it was a comedy in any way, shape or form. I was like too young. I don't think I had ever seen that kind of like really subtle comedy like that before. Mm. Uh, and I literally thought it was a family drama. I thought it was a drama about a dysfunctional family, and one of that. the and one of the best ones I had ever seen. I loved the shit out of it, and That's then what literally a, watched Wes it Anderson again. Does. Yeah, I watched it again like a month later and realized how hilarious it was. It was one of my favorite movie experiences. Actually, was like seeing a movie that I thought was like super dramatic, and then watching it again not that long afterwards and having it click for me. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it's just it's so funny. They are one of the most dysfunctional families I think I can uh, think of in they're movies. Insanely, I mean, there's yeah. a suicidal one. Yep. There's uh oh man Richie te wait is Richie Ben Stiller uh no I think Richie is the tennis player I think that's Luke Wilson's character right yeah 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 ben well either Stiller way whatever is... Ben Stiller he has one of the most dysfunctional family oh, lines my God. at the very beginning because his wife died in a fire yep and so he has spontaneous fire drills with his kids so funny and at the very beginning he has a fake fire drill and they're all sitting out on the the front uh on the front curb uh -huh. and one of his sons uh. 
realizes they forgot Buckley, the dog. Yep. And he's like, we forgot we forgot Buckley. We got to go get him. And Ben Stiller's character goes, it doesn't matter. We're all dead. Yeah. <laughs> Burned to a crisp. <laughs> that's, that's really, really upsetting yep. to tell a kid. And yep. it's like, and he's got to stop watch because yep. they didn't make it out in time. Yep. No, that, that definitely made my list. Uh, I think Wes Anderson does that as a brand, sort yes. of. Um, big ensembles with uh, Rushmore probably doesn't count because that is all Jason Schwartzman and Bill Murray. Right. But when you think of this, Darjeeling, um, Moonrise Kingdom is a great Moonrise, dysfunctional family movie. Absolutely. I yep. mean, even I mean, Life Aquatic is more focused around Steve Zissou, but but it it's, is that's about a father son story. It's a father son story. It's an ex wife, her new husband, yep. uh, the son, and. Uh, uh, Kate Blanchett yep. is pregnant from another man. There yep. is a family aspect. Oh, yeah. That is what Wes Anderson does, but I think Royal Tenenbaums fits the I, bill of a that dysfunctional fits the family bill more best, than anything. I think. Yeah, and oh, it's still one movie. of my favorites of his. Oh, without uh, a doubt, it's way up there on the list. I feel of like his all movies. his movies are one of my favorites. Yeah, of his. Yeah. he's pretty consistent. He is. Yeah, they mentioned Royal Tenenbaums on the Film Spotting podcast, uh-huh. and they played an, an audio clip from it that killed me. Yeah, and it was, uh, it was a. Uh, Bill Murray is saying to Dudley, make yours like mine. Yeah. And then Alec Baldwin, the narrator, is like, oh, you're studying, like, I forget, they called it like Heisenberger syndrome or something like that. And uh, right after he finishes narrating, you just hear Bill Murray kind of egging on his patient. He goes, "Mm, where's that red one going to (laughs) go? So good. Can you tell time? No. No, no, and even Dudley's just like no. <laughs> no. I love. I actually love the scene you referenced first, where he, he's like, "Where's I read one going to go?" Because then he finishes it and he reveals it, and it's not at all the same. And Bill Murray just looks down at his clipboard and goes, "Fascinating." <laughs> Raleigh St. Clair. Yeah. Raleigh St. Clair. So good. Oh, so so, so good. Uh, how right, about so you hit a... me with your number three, since we both have the same number four? All right, number three. <laughs> I can't believe it, but it's got to be there. Step Brothers. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that is my, oh my God. I mean, that is a Nouveau family. They do a new Brady Bunch style thing where, uh, or step by step, if you will, where two people meet, get married, and their sons don't quite see eye to eye. But <laughs> Step Brothers. It's step by step. It's with step brothers. Step with brothers. <laughs> they get, what's beautiful about Step Brothers is that at first, uh, Brennan and I think it's Dale. Yep. Uh, they they uh, they don't see eye to eye. Yep. They don't like each other because nope. they're competitive mm-hmm. and it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. But then they become friends. <laughs> they become brothers. They become family, and it gets really dangerous. Which is the most dangerous <laughs> thing of all. Yep. It is. I mean, it's a very goofy movie. Oh, yeah. From what I understand, it had a six-hour cut, and they just cut a movie out of them just fucking around. But the driving force is this is a dysfunctional yep. family. They're also starring Adam Scott. Yep. Um, Richard Jenkins. Richard Jenkins is there. He's got to go to the Cheesecake Factory. Yeah. That's it. I'm going to Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> but it's every child of divorce, from what I understand, my parents are not divorced. They wonder, is it was it my fault? Right. And of course not. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's a factor, but it's not yeah. anyone's fault. It's a poisonous idea. Yeah. And Step Brothers explores the idea of what if it is so explicitly <laughs> their fault? <laughs> it's incredible. It's goofy. There's yeah. not a lot of actual lessons to be right. learned here. It really is just comedy for comedy. But God damn it, that is it a is fun really dysfunctional funny. family. Yeah. I mean, even when he tries to drop the lesson at the end about the T-Rex story. Oh, yeah. Like, and then when I, went, when I thought I could be a T-Rex, I... I realized i had forgotten and 
John C. Riley's supposed to feel moved, but yeah. instead he's like, what are you talking about? You're a human being. You can never be a T-Rex. <laughs> oh, God damn it. That is one of the funniest. I love that movie. It's amazing. I do love that movie. I, I think that's McKay's best. I uh, best. I, I realized I just like absentmindedly said I do love that movie, and I actually I'm one of those people that's like uh, that's one of those comedies for me that's like I I like it because I appreciate how funny it legitimately is. Mm. I do think it's kind of a bad movie. It's it, because well, it's, it's it's not it's much not, of a not movie, really yeah. a movie. Yeah, that's I mean that is also what I value about it is yeah. that I I never get bogged down by plot right. once, yeah. which is definitely makes it not really a movie. But yeah. that's why I love Hot Rod as well. Right, right, right. I. Uh, <laughs> I have to quote my favorite line from the movie. Yeah. And this is one that is better to watch the theatrical cut because there's just yes. longer takes. But they dis- uh, they discover that John C. Riley owns... Oh, no, sorry, that Will Ferrell owns night vision goggles. Oh, right. And they put on night vision goggles and they're these huge things and they're both just having a good time. And he's like, oh, man, I can't believe... Uh, I wish I had these when I was a kid. Yeah. And Will Ferrell's like, even better. We got them when we're 40. <laughs> and the thing is, they're not that noticeable on your face. <laughs> I love that. It makes no sense. There's yeah. nothing about that that makes any sort of sense. Love that is it. funny. Step Brothers, <laughs> number three. All right, here's one number three. You ready for this one? 1974's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Ooh. That has got to be one of the most dysfunctional families of all time. I'm going to disagree. Why? I'd say that they are wildly functional. Oh, that's hilarious. They just function yeah. in a way that I don't jibe yeah. with. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> that's actually ultimately why I cut Devil's Rejects. Because yeah. I was like, they they actually care about each other. That's more a good than point, actually. Yeah. They were willing to die together to Freebird. They're only dysfunctional by my standards. Yeah. yeah. But no, please go for it. No, I, I, I do think that you're... I just love... I, like, I finally saw that movie this year for the first time. Really? I had never seen it before. Ooh, good movie. And it, I loved that movie. It like, really rocked me. I thought it was really, really... Honestly, fun. It's like a really fun, but legitimately fucking crazy scary movie and actually Guillermo just, del Toro is a vegetarian because yeah. of that movie it's just crazy like and it's one of my favorite endings I think the ending is like true insanity in mm. a way I don't know that I've ever seen in another movie before it is like that is the, oh, the, the swinging of the chainsaw yeah. the girl in the back of the yeah. truck just uh, lost yeah it, it, scary it's shit. truly insane uh, and I, I, you know, my, my pick on this was just, I, I was sorting through this list of like 25 movies that I, I had come up with that were like, okay, these are all dysfunctional family movies in some way. And I'm whittling it down and I'm getting it down. And I pared it down to like seven or so. And this was still there. Cause I just, I really like this movie so much. And then I was really looking at the list and I was like, I, I want to try and choose like some really dysfunctional stuff. And that I, I think actually you have completely torn my argument apart in a, in a way that makes sense to me. But I, mm. it, this is like in my head, I was I don't like, think it tears it apart. It's just another perspective. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, when you live in a giant broken down house and you're you're killing kids and yeah. eating them, there's something went wrong. I just couldn't think <laughs> of anything more dysfunctional than what happens in the third act of that movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so nuts. I want to watch that again. Uh, I want to see the sequel because I've heard that that is actually like I actually have all of really awesome in its own way. The sequels where Bill Mosley kind of got his start, and the third one, Leatherface, not not the greatest movie. It does have value, but it has a young Viggo Mortensen. Oh, and of course the fourth one that uh, that uh, we all. It actually was like paid to be forgotten about by is the, the new beginning. It's the new beginnings because with uh, McConaughey's a Academy Award winning actor and actress Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Uh, irrespectively, I switched those around, but uh, both of them were kind of exploding at that point, and yep. so their agents kind of quashed that one. Yeah, I actually think it's all right. All right, 
I didn't see Texas Chainsaw 3D, which is actually supposed to be a direct sequel to the original film. Oh, weird. But uh, yeah, that was I, one of the Platinum Dunes remakes that was actually not so bad. Right. The sequel to it was very bad. But Pete, uh, my, my roommate Pete Steele, has always told me that actually the sequel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of his all-time favorite movies. Really? Uh, it's That's the one with Dennis Hopper, right? And they basically go hunting for the family. Yeah. Uh, he said it's like just awesome. That mm-hmm. it's like crazy and awesome. And it I is really want to see it. It's been years it. since I've seen it, but uh, it's wild. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's uh, Chop Top is uh, Bill Mosley's character. Oh, okay. If you follow him on Twitter, he's Chop Top Mosley. Oh, cool. Uh, they even in Devil's Rejects they reference that movie because he quotes his own line from that movie, oh. which is "Dog will hunt." <laughs> so it's uh, yeah. I we should watch that. That's yeah. I want to see it. I got that DVD somewhere. All right. Cool. Uh, All right, keeping it in in horror by number two. We've talked about it a million times this episode, so we'll keep it short. You're next. Ah, lovely. Uh, That is a dysfunctional family. Oh, Uh, it's so dysfunctional. The the carnage starts in the middle of a family at a dinner table argument. Dinner table, and without spoiling too much, the driving force behind what what is happening is quite family oriented. Oh yeah, but it is also a home invasion survival, sort of like Krampus. It's a I don't have much to say about it because I feel like I've talked it to death over I'll, the many years of this show. But yeah, you hit you with one, one thing of the on best it. movies. As far as it being a dysfunctional family movie, one of my favorite things about it is part of the sense of humor of the movie is that even as it starts to become a crazy horror movie, they are so dysfunctional. They can't stop being a dysfunctional family oh, yeah. for even three seconds they to plan anything. over who could be the most heroic in yeah. the situation. It's like, oh, I can run the fastest. You could never run yeah. the fastest. It's so funny. It's, it's I love brutal. that commentary on dysfunctional families. Drop like a great. line from it. I want you to fuck me next to your dead mother. <laughs> really? You never want to do anything fun. <laughs> and he just looks at this character like... Are you in this movie with me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's wild. I like that movie a lot. Yeah. That is uh that is and one probably of still my available all-time on favorites. Netflix. It is. It yeah. is currently still available. Uh I'm going to hit you with my number 2 which might still be cur- uh, available on Netflix. This was from last year, uh Force Majeure. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I Isn't that a that great movie. example of a dysfunctional family movie? Because that's a family that we watch the moment where they become exactly. dysfunctional. Exactly. Yeah. I was thinking about how unique that is, actually, that it's like they're a fairly functional family on the surface. And we get this event that like really just unravels this family. And we get to see between the cracks that we didn't even necessarily notice were there at the outset. Uh, and it's funny. Uh, and you actually get to watch the ripple effect of oh, the dysfunction yeah. of this family across that's other families. Funny. That movie yeah. is funny in a way that, because it's very funny, but oh, it's yeah. funny in a way that I've never seen I agree. any other movies be. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Really great movie. That makes me just another honorable honorable mention because I related that movie. That was uh, Norwegian Alexander Payne. Nebraska yeah. would be Agreed. a great dysfunctional family I, movie. I thought about putting Nebraska uh, on this list, actually. I didn't even think about that yep. until now, but yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you picked Force Majeure. Yeah, yeah. I kind of want to watch that again. I do want to see that again. I liked that movie like a lot. By the way, the uh, the dude with the red hair is in commercials now. Oh, he's, a, he's one of the stars of Game of Thrones. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. He's um yeah he's uh actually my uh my Facebook picture is yeah. me with a cardboard cutout of him. Oh, I had no idea. That yeah, guy. I was up in the uh I was up in the Poconos, and uh, it was at some like uh some like resort, and there was a. Uh, 
I had never seen him before. He Force was standing Majeure. in front of a travel agency. Hilarious. Sign, so yeah, yeah, that is was, him, uh, right? That is him. I had never I had never seen him before, as far as I know. And I was like, wow, that guy's got an interesting face. And he's hilarious. And His then sure like enough. Lars Nordsonson. Yeah. Sure enough, he's Kirkson. in commercials and shit like that. Yeah. He's the man. He was really funny in that, too. Yeah. Because he just plays just like Game of Thrones, man. In <laughs> Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Great movie. I'm so glad you picked that. Great movie. Very, very glad. Yeah. Love. That I hope that's on Netflix because I'm gonna watch that tonight. I think it's. <laughs> I hope it still is. All uh, right, shall I do my number one? Do it. This is the ultimate dysfunctional family movie. I wonder if you have the same list. Um, I almost didn't put it on here because it felt so fucking obvious to me yeah. that it didn't seem interesting. But I think it's got to be on there. American Beauty. Oh yeah, I actually I thought I did, it was in contention. Yeah, for that sure. Is, it's. I mean, it's. It's about of an already dysfunctional family and the patriarch of the family decides, you know what? I don't even want anything to do with it. I'm not dysfunctional enough. I'm just going to do what I want to do because there's, you know, this, this ship is sinking. Yep. So I'm going to have a diving contest. You yep. know, like it's, but, and at the same time though, you know, you see how it accelerates the sinking of the ship. Oh yeah. But uh, everyone else's reactions to his behavior and also just to their own internal motivations really help sink the ship and you you wonder what would happen if they all just said something to one another oh i know it's wild you also get a beautiful picture sort of of like another kind of dysfunctional family in that movie Mm -hmm. too ricky Fitz or whatever his name is his family is its own kind of dysfunctional absolutely Uh, and it's kind of interesting the way they parallel those two uh that's probably a lot of what that movie is actually about is just the parallel of these two different fulfillments of american ideals mm-hmm. that both result in extreme dysfunction in in a in a common misery of course it's heightened here it's yeah. allen ball what's really funny people often forget about this do you remember the one really functional family oh the gay couple the gay neighbors yeah. it was, was, it was actually running together i would imagine I at the that. time that was one of the uh, first very progressive depictions of a gay couple oh, totally in a movie. and it's allen ball who i th- i think he might be a homosexual i, I believe that's true yeah Pro- but i mean I, I love that they're just good neighbors yep they're living the american dream are, are as they bob and bob by, by the way is that right maybe or bill of, i think they have the same name i remember yeah, that yeah. they have the same name and they're just they're just nice and helpful yeah. and they they want to you know they just want to yep. Well, they're they're, they're actually living the, living the American dream. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh man. See, now I'm thinking about where to invade next. Oh yeah, because yeah. it is about that. It's about they 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 took the American dream idea and made it happen in a way that was alternative. Yep. Whereas we all, you know, I say we in terms of the the Fitz family and the Burnham family. Yes, yes. They, uh, you know, they kind of went their uh, the, the standard route yes. and ended up in in misery. I, I actually really love that movie. That's uh, that is, I, uh, I actually still think that movie kind of holds up. I've rewatched mm-hmm. it fairly recently in the last few years, and I know it's gotten a lot of sort of uh, backlash in recent yeah. years, but I, I think it actually holds up. It's super stylish in a way, like in a style that is not hip anymore. Yeah. So in that way, it seems dated, but I don't think that's a mark against it. No, I, I think know? it actually works on its own terms very well. Absolutely. It looks yeah. like the soap opera that it's sort yeah. of you know being a parody of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that, and actually, in that thing, Magnolia was a tough cut. For uh, my dude, list. I thought about that too. But uh, I realized that there were pockets of family there, but yep. everyone was more connected by circumstance. I was than thinking familial about that. bonds, so I let it go. That was how I pulled it too. Uh, uh, my number one is probably not going to be a surprise to anybody. It's it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It was the first movie we ever talked about on this podcast. Uh, it is The Shining. Right uh, I'm actually glad we saved it for last. Yep. It's appropriate. Kubrick's yeah. Kubrick's The Shining. I it, it's just I mean. As soon as you said dysfunctional family movies, it was the first thing that popped in my head. I tried to rule it out because I was like, ah, it seems obvious. 
there, you know, it is about a dysfunctional family, but it's also got this sort of supernatural element to it, maybe that emphasis, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, exacerbates the the mm-hmm. dysfunction that might already be there. Uh, but it's it, it, it's one of my favorite movies, and they are so fucking dysfunctional. There, oh, so and and when you really watch that movie and you really get into it, and and, and we've discussed, you listen to our episode on the Shining yeah, right? to hear we a revisit that movie and to hear a again. lot more about this. But well, the scene when he's when he's basically asking Danny if he's afraid of him, yeah, and Danny has to lie because he's so afraid yes. of him. That is. I mean, when I was a little kid, in some type of way, I was... I mean, I love my dad, but I was definitely afraid of him in some type of way. I was scared of my parents in different ways. And yep. it's... I mean, I mean, that is, of course, comes with the territory, yep. but that's a really real fear. Oh, yeah. And also, from the other end, like, if I am ever a parent, if I'm ever unlucky enough to be yeah. a parent, that poor kid... Well, it's I want thing. my kid to respect me, but I would not want them to be afraid of me. Yeah, and I think it's unavoidable. That yeah, it's an interesting thing. Well, and that's that's the thing about that movie is I I think that it's um uh when you really watch it and you realize a lot of what it's about, you can go back through it and be like, oh, these people were fucked from the moment this movie started. Mm-hmm. Like they were already falling apart. I think that was uh, Stephen King's criticism of the movie was yeah. that Jack Nicholson seemed crazy to begin right. with. Um. And I don't necessarily agree with that criticism, I don't. but I will say that in terms of showing a dysfunctional family being exacerbated by this house, the book really gets into the meat of that. Oh yeah, you know, in in a way that I could see King, of course, thinking the movie undercut it. I've never They're different beasts. Uh, they totally are, but I I actually have never understood that specific criticism of yeah. it from him because. I think his own book definitely illustrates that Jack is a monster before they ever get to the hotel. Mm. So I don't I wouldn't say monster. Uh, dude, one I of would the, say capable of corruption. One of the first things that happens in that book is he tells a story about when him and his friend went out drinking one night oh, yeah, they and then on their way the home head. they ran something over and there was definitely a child's bike under their car. Mm. And they spent the the book indicates five minutes looking around to see if there's a body. Nope, no body. Let's go home. Mm-hmm. He is a monster from the moment that that book starts, and it's amazing to me that Kubrick doesn't even uh, uh, that uh, King doesn't know that about his own book. Let's see, and uh, that's that's where I'm having issue with the term monster because yeah. I get it. That is a monster. Yeah, state. yeah. I mean that is inarguable. Yeah, but uh, I mean if you've read Doctor Sleep, uh, I have not. Okay, well, uh, Danny is all grown up in right. that, and the thing that like his rock bottom moment. Yeah, because like that's. Stephen King writing from the from someone who is an addict it's by, about by nature for sure. That moment is a rock bottom, yes. at least until they yep. get to the overlook, where it's like, if they actually did hit and run a kid, right. it is pretty monstrous. Their behavior is pretty monstrous. Is he a monster? Is he still redeemable at that point? Oh, he I might think, still be redeemable. I think at that so. Point. Yes. Yeah. That, I mean, maybe we're just defining monster different. But I, I know what you're saying though, where it is weird for him to criticize. Uh, Jack Nicholson for looking crazy right. when he so plainly illustrates his character as this guy's corruptible. He's damaged. You know, he's yeah, exactly. He is a damaged person from the moment that book starts. And so I think the fact that maybe Nicholson appears to be damaged, which is a you know, I, I know I'm not using the same terminology he's using, but I get the impression that's yeah, a lot yeah, of what yeah. he's saying. I don't know. That's not a problem for me. I you know, I just never quite understood that criticism. It certainly qualifies it for this list though. Oh, hundred I mean, percent. Dude, it, it is a family that is of some sort of dysfunction. I mean, if if anything, um, now I'm not going to remember the mother's name, but Shelley Long's character, yes. Shelley, is it Long? Uh, Duvall. 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 Uh, I always get yeah, movies. and it's... Uh, um, she is certainly a... Wendy, uh, right? Wendy, yeah. yeah. And she's... At the very beginning, we don't know if... She, 
I, I guess she's not necessarily a physically battered woman, right? Because the only history of violence is that he may have broken Danny's, Danny's arm. arm. Yeah. Um, but she is certainly someone who is in some type of a victim situation. Oh yeah, she seems and a little bit afraid of this it's man. It's on the surface there, yeah. like that's not you know she loves him and all that, and he definitely I would say he loves her, but yeah, it's a there's an issue. There, you, you can see yeah. it. We've uh, uh oh man, I'd love to end on this, and I know we've talked about it on the podcast before, but it's just my favorite scene in that movie, and I think it's a great illustration of dysfunctional families. So I'd I'd love to to hit oh, it real yeah. quick. Yep, I know is, exactly where you're going. Which is just Jack Nicholson sitting at a what should be an empty bar, but there's a ghost bartender there serving him ghost whiskey. Ghost booze. He just had I think one maybe two shots of ghost whiskey. His wife comes downstairs in a panic. Says Jack, Jack, there's someone in the hotel with us. They hurt Danny. And he looks at her and goes, are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> that is the most dysfunctional thing I've oh, ever yeah. seen a family go through. I'd say that's the second most dysfunctional yeah. thing. The most dysfunctional thing is she looks at him and then, okay, you yeah. know, and moves on. Because it's like, well, I guess this is just my yeah. And that's my life. Oh, th- we're all fucked? We're fucked. Okay, yeah. we're fucked. Oh. Yeah. Oh, man. That God, is, do uh, I love that movie. That, I kind of want to watch that again. Yeah. We should do like a, a yearly revisit, a revisit? Of, the, of the show. And I'm into it. Just bring a new person in yep. to, to discuss it with us. I'm into it. Yeah, uh, that one, I toyed with having that on my list, but I pulled it off. The main reason, just because we had done it, yep. turned out that's a bad idea because we had a valuable conversation yeah. about it, but also just because I knew it would be on your list. Yeah, so of course it why, was. Why, of course it would be on mine. Uh, a couple honorable mentions. Uh, I'm going to go with some some things that I just thought of that I was like, oh, you could consider it one. Not that these are the best or anything. Uh, I, I like thinking of Back to the Future as a dysfunctional family movie. Oh, yeah. So it, it's literally they're falling apart as the movie's happening. Literally, and, uh, True Lies was an honorable That's a mention. Great for me. idea, yeah. Uh, man is lying to his whole family, yep. and they're all toying with being untrue to each other. Yep, and uh, nothing a couple guns can't fix. Am uh-huh. I right, America? Uh, um, I had the the Family Stone was actually in contention on mine, which mm-hmm. is a, just a holiday movie from a few years back now, maybe eight years ago or something. Uh, so I, I don't remember it that well. I saw it in theaters. I just remember really enjoying it, and I specifically remember that it like the family is super dysfunctional in it. I ain't seen it. Yeah, I had a serious man on there. Um, not a holiday movie. No. It's a Jewish community. Um, <laughs> but uh, so it's it's not a Christmas movie. Yeah. But it is a dysfunctional family. Oh yeah, it is a guy dealing with an unfaithful wife, a son experimenting with drugs at his bar mitzvah. <laughs> awesome scene. <laughs> um, yeah, just a a family that had it all, and Cy Abelman yep. tore it up. I can't um, think of any others. I also had, like I said, Devil's Rejects, but uh-huh. I eliminated them because I realized they were just functional. And Fairly functional in their own way. And then I had Happiness. I don't know if you've I've ever never seen, seen that, actually, yeah. Todd Salon's yep. Happiness. Philip Nev- Seymour Hoffman, am I right about that? Philip Seymour yeah. Hoffman. Um, and the thing is, it's another one like Magnolia where they're all related by circumstance, yep. but there is a family at the center that is, it is, it's fucked up. Oh, I've heard that movie's fucked. It's fucked up. Yeah. And it is absolutely hilarious yeah there's a scene and this doesn't spoil anything but there's one character that's a pedophile and his son is having uh one of his friends sleep over that night and there's a madcap like without that music scene of him just trying to get uh rape drugs into this holy shit and it's hilarious holy shit it should not even be like that's something that you can't touch with a thousand foot pole and somehow uh it's done in a way That's that insane. that is because uh, I mean the movie itself is about a bunch of people pursuing happiness yeah. and what that means to them yeah. and how they get there and like it or not, diddling kids makes this man right. happy. Right, and 
in some way you sympathize with it because you see the shame on it. Right, right. You see that this is something that he knows is is morally wrong. Right. But it's an urge that he has. Now, is that a forgiveness on my part? Right, Under no, no, absolutely no. no Dude, I totally understand what you're saying. But in yeah. the realm of the movie, yeah. you're along for... And it's Dylan Baker who does a great He's performance. He's a great actor, yeah. And it does a... It, and it's the kind of thing where the way it's played, you're like, this is really funny. The extent that That's this, this kind of clumsy pedophile is going through to rape a kid. Yeah. But at the same time, you're like, my God, this is really heavy, awful That's stuff. That's fascinating to me. That's that makes me want to see it, yeah. It's worth it. It's uh, Oh, it's wild. That's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, let's great, close it out. Great line from that movie is, uh, what's her name? Jane Adams is in it. Okay. She's, uh, I forget what they're talking about. And uh, her sister... Uh, this is gonna be awful. She was the bad guy in Men in Black Two. I never on saw it. Twin Peaks. Uh, uh, either way, she says something awful and kind of laughs, and it's dead quiet. And she's like, "Don't worry, we're. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you." And Jade Adams is just like, "I'm not laughing." <laughs> <laughs> and that is the whole movie distilled down to yeah. a line. It's wild. That's cool. Yeah, but. Not on my list. So <laughs> Fair enough. Talking about it. Let's close it out. Yeah. Unless you got any other out. honorable mentions. I think we're uh, good. No, December 16th. December movie, movie 16th. Live at Filamoca. Yes. Come to Filamoca. Come see us do a Star Wars themed game show. It's going to be a ton of fun. Really good time. Uh, and then you can go see Star Wars two days later with your families for Christmas. Um, it's going to be great. Uh, so check us out there. Uh, find us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash I like two movie. That's with the number two. Uh, same thing on Twitter at I like two movie with the number two. You can find me on Twitter at Philadelphia with an F uh, and uh, on letterboxd.com slash Philadelphia where I review every movie I watched uh, Krampus made my 49th 2015 release and I think my 165th movie of the year wow nice yeah, I don't know where year. I'm at but uh, it's, it's been a good year I mean yeah. I think we've both been working quite hard on it oh yeah uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dan Scully. I'm across the board at Dan Scully is where it is, um, including on on Letterboxd as well. And uh, check out Cinadelphia.com, uh, doing some reviews for them. So uh, check that shit out. Yeah. And uh, I think the future for Movie Movie here, at least over the next few weeks, is we may get you another episode in the interim. Mm-hmm. If not... A top 10 is coming your way real soon. Oh, yes. Oh, God. Yep. And it's going to be a painful one, yep. but we'll get there. Uh, so if it's not the next episode, it's definitely the one after that. So get your list ready. And you know what? Send them to us. Mm-hmm. Get your top 10s ready. Find us on Facebook and send them to us. Oh, yeah. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. yeah I'd, love, I'd love to read a fan's top 10 of the year. Yeah. Send them in. Yep. Boom. Uh, rate us on iTunes. Uh, that helps more people find the show, which we mm-hmm. would love to happen. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's me being sick and saying, I gotta get the hell out of here. Uh, All good. so, uh, my name is Garrett Smith and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan Scully and I like to movie movie. And we all know that you like to movie movie because, because we, we like, like to movie. movie. Bone Tomahawk. Mm.